Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. And we're live. What? Finally. Man, we, we're working going this way and that way, getting the logistics hooked up, getting everything going. But man, I'm, I'm stoked because we're getting started. And my guest today, he's a marketing leader, but that's kind of like an understatement. I would consider him like a heavyweight of the marketing world. Lightweight, lightweight. <laughs> lightweight. <laughs> uh, especially if sales is buying the drinks, I guess. Yeah. Obviously, B2B strategist, also the vice president of marketing at Topo, Kevin O'Malley. How are you, sir? Good. How you doing? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I, I I'm jealous of that uh, poster to 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 your left there. I want yeah. is me is that a, the greatest showman? No, that's yeah. a self portrait over here. <laughs> See that you got my picture. Thanks. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. Did you sign it for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is gonna be fun, and uh, for everyone listening, we've been joking for the last half an hour, anyways. So this is gonna be a fantastic time. Um, and you know, and Kevin, I've known you for a a, a bit. Almost yeah. too long. Like it makes me feel old just knowing how long I've known you. B2B camp days. B2B camp days. Yeah. yeah. And so now, you know, now you're the VP of marketing over at Topo. You've been in a lot of places. I know we're going to talk about. Yeah. So this is you know really, what that means, right? What, what, what does it mean? <laughs> getting old. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting old. Not me though, <laughs> man. Old. Not yeah. me. That's right. Um, I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> so this is the marketing leadership series. That's why you're here. We're here to learn from you, everyone else listening, learn about marketing, your approach to it all, probably have fun in the process, probably guarantee you'll have that people listening will have fun in the process if they can follow our crazy conversation. But yeah, uh, good luck, right? here's how we start though. So this is heavy, but take this. This is Thor's hammer. So go ahead and take that. Okay, got it. And I need got you it. to smash a marketing myth, some kind Ooh. of bogus strategy, misconceptions, just yeah. stuff you're hearing that just drives you crazy. There you go. Smash away. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, yeah, you know, I the one that I love to to smash is uh, uh, that uh, um, the fake Gucci buyer versus the uh, the real Gucci buyer. All right, tell me about this. <laughs> well, it, this this idea that uh, you know, last few years, a lot of companies, a lot of marketers, have been talking about account based, and there's yeah. been a lot of great attention to the topic. It's really got people, marketers, back into the basics of marketing. Who should I be marketing to? Um, but there's a little trick to that because what's missing from that equation has been the actual people you market to. And so now that uh, organizations have adopted account base, I think it's a great opportunity for marketers to come back to another basic, and that is the people. And I, I remember the early days of uh, lead scoring, and the more engaged somebody was, the more likelihood they had intent to buy it. So the more content they consumed, the more webinars. I have actually have, I don't know this for, uh, data back just yet, but I believe there's a line of diminishing return and I call that person a fake Gucci buyer. These okay. are the people, these are the people that look like a great buyer because they're engaged with your brand. They're right. showing up to all your events. They're drinking all your, your, your open bar. They're, they're, <laughs> they're attending all of your great webinars, but they'll never buy. And so I, I, I the, the myth is that even though you may have the right account, 
it doesn't mean you're you're actually marketing to the right people. So the and and let's let's work together as marketers to come back to things like persona based marketing, uh, and and to really pull out those that are really going to be buyers and those that are those are uh, those are going to be liars. <laughs> buyers and liars, man. Buyers you and know, liars. Right account, right people is what I got from you on that one. Yeah, it, and it's almost like the the barn door swung too far. All ABM, it's a buzzword, and we love our buzzwords in marketing, but then we, we lost sight of the fact that there's some humans on the other side at these accounts and right. understanding which ones are, are not even yeah. window shopping. They're just, they already got their, their purse. They already got their Gucci. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, have you ever seen part. anybody buy fake Gucci and then go, go off and buy the real Gucci? It just doesn't happen. So I think it's a very, very good way of thinking about how can you come up with the right uh, attributes uh, to identify that. And I'm not just talking about, um, you know, role title. Right. I'm talking about, um, historical, uh, data that you have on this person, their, their intention signals, um, for them, their willingness to spend money. Got it. They're really going to ultimately spend and, and solve a problem. You know, this is important because I can imagine how much it costs people to continue to market to, the, the fake Gucci buyer. Yeah. You know, to your point, the open bars they attend. Now, if they're yeah. just downloading your content, that's one thing. But if you're doing the ABM campaigns to them, which can get really expensive, or um, you're inviting them to a Red Sox game, like Marketo invited me. I, man, I'm a Pardot guy. <laughs> I, I, I bleed Pardot, that's right? That's a great example, and yeah. They, they brought me to a suite at the Red Sox. Am I going to say no to that? I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> I'll, I'll drink your drinks and i'll get the yeah, fenway franks and, that's great that's you know, a great example yeah I'm never gonna buy marketo no i know i mean that's spend that's, money so, on me of so course. what do you do right so you, right. you you look at things like who what technology they use today you capture data about when they're actually going to renew with that provider so you know when you have a window of opportunity right uh, so it's it really comes around building out uh a true understanding of that person and and being able to know when to when to strike, when or when to also um, change strategy of of how to market that person, solve help solve another problem, or altogether just let that person go away. Right, right. But sometimes we like to hold on to our databases. Like the larger they get, the more money we have. But it's not true. You That's know, it's right. that quality versus quantity type thing. That's how, right. How do you zero in on? I mean, we've had some discussions internally here and, and other places the whole concept of like an ICP or your ideal buyer, whether it is the account or that person, how, how do you, you know, like not boil the ocean? You kind of want to sell to everybody, but knowing yeah. that there are these fake Gucci buyers out there and it's important to really concentrate on your sweet spot. How do you, how do you do, how do you yeah. lead that in market? Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely, uh, I've used predictive uh, modeling in the past. Cool. So uh, like you mentioned the Marketo, if, if you're selling a premium offering, they're probably buying other premium offering, uh, other, right. other premium offers, right? right? So it could be signals in their, their uh, tech stack that uh, coincide. Um, so if they're, they're investing in other areas, they'll, they'll, uh, might be a better fit. So predictive modeling has been interesting. So you can pull out, remember in the early days of sales loft, um, our predictive model uh, indicated that people that with fresh books were a good, good ideal customer. Really? <laughs> yeah. It, it, this is early days. This is right. like when, when right, right. Startup, uh, days, yeah. startup days of what made a good startup. Well, 
Right. If, if you have fresh books, you most likely have revenue. Yeah. Uh, you're starting to manage, uh, you're starting to think about how to organize your business and you're, you're starting to think about scaling and right. it's, it's little things like that, that, uh, um, you know, really getting on understanding of, of who they are and, and, and what technology they're using or, um, and, and how did you discover that? Was it like a third party data source or? Yeah. Uh, we used the Everstring, um, uh, predictive model set and, uh, it certainly evolved over time because your business is never standing still. And the model is built on, you know, what the wins that you've had. And so you've, you've, you do need to continuously reevaluate the model, but it's, it does give you some really cool indicators that make you give you some pause to think about your business and who, who make up your, your, you know, your customer base. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's definitely uh, information like that could come in uh, handy. Okay, and if that's how you find the good ones, any tips on sniffing out the fake Gucci buyers? Uh, yeah. Um, what do they smell like? <laughs> they smell, yeah, they, uh, they. I think there's there's a high lead score ratio. I really do. I think you. There are a lot of prospects in your database that you that if you track engagement, there is a uh, there's a point of of if if they're engage, almost engaged too much without action, much, they're just yeah. interested. They they love the topic. They don't have any power internally to to mm -hmm. to address the problems. These are the people you talk to. They're like they know all the problems, but they don't uh -huh. have any authority to fix them. Right. So this is where it gets into um, me use them as influencers, not treat them like a, treat them as buyers, but use them as influencers to help shape the deal or get inside view. But it's a great signal of they're at least interested in the topic. But let me go higher up in the organization. Uh, let me go to their boss's boss because now I've got this information. I know I've got a person that loves the topic, but they don't have the authority to move it forward. Right. Got it. So, you know, it sounds a lot like like this ties into that qualification and like the pre-qualification that marketing can potentially do if they're asking the right questions or they've got the right data sources to try to help give the sales the ones they want and not just the active ones. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's this trick of um, outbounding your inbound. Um, so you, you get a great company, target account comes in, um, everybody's high five and they're engaged, but it's the wrong, it's not the right person. And so let's take, let's, let's hold mm. on, on engaging that person that is in a great company at least we know they're interested in the topic. Let's start outbounding towards people that are above that person, part of the committee uh, team potentially, and uh, bring them in. Start start engaging them with the same piece of content that the the uh, sort of the non ideal um, person started to uh, get engaged with. So um, outbound your inbound. So so help help me understand the outbound your inbound. Yeah. Um, well, you know, with the committee, committee teams these days, seven, yeah. seven plus people, whatever the numbers you hear about yeah. different, uh, decision committees. Um, yeah, I, I have found where you, you can, and I've been fooled by this uh, a few times where I start marketing to say a business analyst about, uh, about oh. business challenges and they, their job is to know everything that's going on out there. Mm. They start downloading co content. In fact, They'll take the meeting because they want to. They need to know about your technology. Yeah, you're helping them do their job. They're not, but they're not going to buy it. 
That's right. That's right. And so their boss is going to come around someday and say, Hey, have you ever heard about XYZ? And you're like, Oh yeah. So of course I, uh, you know, I did this <laughs> in mobile app platforms. They, they got to know what's going on. What's the latest technology. So instead of going after the business analyst, now we know we have a person interested in the topic. Let's go, let's go after not the business analyst, but the continuous improvement. Oh, director. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. So you, you start building out your business, uh, your, your sort of buying committee and then, and then start marketing to them um, and, and to certainly leverage the same content that this person already opted into. Uh, and so you start building a sort of a consensus before you even get actual engagement. Right. Right. Yeah. Sick, man. Does that, does that tie into like the SDR, BDR type role? Do you, do you then leverage them once you've got some of this formula in your mind or where, where do you see that fitting even in the organization? Well, you know, that's if we're talking about myths here, let's, let's, uh, I'm going to lay one other one down. Where's my Smash hammer? I need the, yeah, you need got the this. hammer. It's all yours, man. <laughs> Do it. Um, I, you know, as, as a, uh, what's really cool is being the marketing, head of marketing for a Topo, the research uh, and advisory firm for sales and marketing. I get the, to be in the front row of, of what other companies are, are saying and, and, right. And, right. So that's, that's really cool. Um, and surrounded by a lot of bright people that all they think about is sales and marketing. Um, the one thing that I've seen, uh, nerds. the nerds, that's right. Yeah, we do nerd out. It's fun. Um, is marketing reporting, uh, sales development reporting to marketing. And up to this point, it's been sort of a split. Um, and I like the perspective of this idea that the most passionate, whoever's the most passionate about the functions, should own the function. Okay. I see that. I, but let's, let's, as a marketer, if I'm a marketer out there right now, yeah. I challenge, I'm speaking to you. <laughs> I challenge you to go, go into the, your organization and take over sales development. And, and there's, a, there's a reason why, because we as marketers need to get closer to revenue. And if you want, and all those marketers complaining that they don't get the budget or they don't, they're, they're, they're not you know, part of the revenue conversations, this is your chance. So go out and own sales development because now, you're closer to revenue. You can better affect messaging at the front lines. You can learn faster of what's working, what's not, mm -hmm. and then bring that back into your messaging. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of having marketing report into sales development. So you learn faster. You, you can, you could better influence that, that messaging. Absolutely. It, yeah. Super push you fast. one step closer to sales sales. And then also to your point, one step closer to the revenue side of things. I, yeah. you know, I guess I don't want to be like the devil's advocate here or the pushback would be, but does marketing know enough about sales to, to do SDR? Like, Hey, I'm a PPC guy. I'm the right, right. multi hat wearing marketer. I, I'm going to go claim. I'm going to go claim SDR as my own. Like how, yeah, do, yeah. How, do I, how do I do that? Well, first off, you got to fake it until you make it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a lesson out of the sales playbook, right? <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, no, I think it's, they actually know, like the PPC example, uh, they actually know more than they think. Uh, where, where sales yeah. development reps need um, a lot of help in is, is in process okay. and messaging. And in oh. marketing today, we're spending a lot of time orchestrating our efforts. And sales development is a channel. And so how do you orchestrate that channel into your overall mix? Is, is, is a marketing, you know, that's a thing that we do. Huh. Um, on the messaging side, and I'll give you a great example of this. Um, back when I was at a mobile app platform company, 
Sure. Uh, we were selling what we thought was our marketing message was we're selling mobile apps. And okay. we went out to manufacturers saying we're selling mobile apps. And we'd call these manufacturers, the sales development reps and the sales development rep, um, the manufacturing side was like, I don't want a mobile app. I don't need angry birds. Um, <laughs> and, and so right? this is, you know, I'm dating myself with that, but it, the, what the sales development rep started doing is starting to understand what the buyer was saying. And, and the buyer was saying was, I didn't want mobile apps. What I really need is real time data on the shop floor. Uh, same, same idea. They wanted to, they wanted to mobilize their data. So since sales development was important to marketing, we're hearing this conversation. We're spending time with them, understanding what care about it. Yeah, that's right. It, we're hearing it. We're front. And so, right. we're he so what we did was we did an AB test on our homepage. We we swapped out mobile app platform with uh, access to real time data and our engagement on our website jumped 150%. Wow. And so by being close to sales development, we were able to learn what was actually being spoken with the words the buyers were saying yeah. and incorporate that back into our website, website messaging to help move the, the leads even further, resonate with the, the leads even faster. Wow. Real-time data, the result, not necessarily the process or the what. Hey, I'm making an app for I don't really give a shit about an app. But when you start talking about, hey, here's what you'd like to have access on data and see what the hell's going on. Yeah. That's right. I'd We're like, to have oh, that. yeah, I guess it is yeah. not. It's not just mobile apps. We're talking about You're putting right. data on large screen TVs. It's not about putting it on a... The, the device had nothing to do with it. It was more about them wanting access to real-time data. Right, right. Like um, three sentences different, and then suddenly everyone's engaging. Exactly. So it was wild. like, hey, yeah. But that's, I think that's one of the benefits of having marketing report. Uh, sales development being part of the marketing function is that opportunity to get your, your messaging locked in right. further in the marketplace based on what your buyers are actually saying. You know, I was, you know, initially even skeptical because it's like you, you're going to wrangle these salespeople. Uh, but when you describe it as them needing process and messaging, you're right. Marketing, we're like, hey, funnel, 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 and then all about messaging. Uh, yeah. And that makes sense if we can then give them those things. And then what really helped cement it for me is the idea of SDR as a channel. Like yeah. just as if you – it was another PPC ad group or if it was social or, you know, an event, you've got this crew that's channeling out this message and you want to be able to adapt it and change it on the fly. That's right. In fact, uh, in our most recent uh, sales development benchmark uh, study, uh, I want to say it's 80% plus of marketing leaders cited outbound or SDR alignment was critical to their account-based success. Mm. So it, it's even because companies are moving to embracing account-based, it's, it's only um, you know, magnifying the importance of that alignment. You know what's funny? Like that, that number seems like that's what it should be. And I'm skeptical that that many marketers understand the, the power and the benefit of SDR. I'm glad to hear those survey takers were, um, but it's almost like that. Yeah. It doesn't SDR though. They get kind of, it's almost like an entry level thing. And then you want to eventually grow up one day and be in sales. Not everybody, James Buckley, yeah. he's like SDR for life, but a lot of new sales reps, they start in BDR. They start in that, that role. And then yeah. they, they graduate into being an account exec. So, but does that take their, their career path off the, 
Off the rails? That's, that's absolutely a great point. I mean, that's, there's, that's one of the challenges is, is ensuring a, a strong career path for them. Right. I, I will say, though, if there was a confession booth and, and, and if SDRs didn't have the pressure, the fact of the reporting to sales, it's, if you were reporting to sales and someone said, what do you want to do next? And you say, oh, I want to be in customer service. That wouldn't be a good idea, right? So I think a lot of sales developers say they want to be in sales because that's the logical thing to say when, sure. when you're the person that's asking you is the sales leader, right? Um, I think a lot of these young so SDRs true. get in sales development because they think they want sales. Right. What I've seen is great sales development reps have come and they get in. They're like, you know, this is, this is great. Like to your point, there's some mm -hmm. people that stay, um, embrace the role longer. Um, customer success role. So people that love helping others um, yeah, become subject matter. Up, getting a tech. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Go through implementation. Like there's a lot of opportunity uh, for sales development reps to be in the ground floor of, of um, you know, other positions in the company. And it's yeah. a great, uh, it's a great place to start to get, if you want to get into a company, start there and, and um, you know, just, just embrace that part and then let the other part take over. I've seen some sales development reps move into marketing too, because they really understand yep. the buyer, the customers, the, the competition, the objection handling, right? So there's a lot of great knowledge that they have. So there's a lot of marketing opportunities for that. Yeah. I chatted with a few that, you know, they got into ABM and they realized, oh, this marketing stuff's actually kind of cool. But then they had that knowledge of what it was like to be in sales and they le leveraged that in the marketing world. So, you yeah. know, what, to, you, to your point, I almost, when you, when you say it like that, I could see then a marketing led SDR could potentially have more career options than sales SDR because, you know, especially if that marketing leader like yourself is like, Hey, where, where's your sweet spot? Where do you want to go? That's right. As opposed to you want to be, senior rep next right you want to get to enterprise one day <laughs> that's right yeah exactly territory yeah. top tier abm on the safe zone right it's like just i always say when SDRs are anxious to move on it's like i i'm anxious for you to 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 move your career forward as much as i'm anxious to move my career forward but you got to do this role now right and, and focus on that the, the other things will take care of itself. I'll give you opportunities to expose yourself to other areas of, of marketing or sales um, or the business. But it first starts with you performing in this role. Uh, and so that, that's certainly something you don't want to lose sight of. Right. And, and honestly, it's a great opportunity to, to actually have multiple conversations with people where you're not in that structure, must push them through sales process. Like you actually can have the discovery type conversations and, really suss out what are the pain points and, un and you can almost have more of a, an understanding if you're not in that sort of regimented convert or die type mode. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And it's, and if you think about today's marketer, yeah, it's not a, just about ha having technical skills. You need, you need some of those, right? You definitely right. need those to really advance, but it, it, it's more soft skills more than anything. Sure. And, and uh, sales development reps, can really have a, an opportunity to, to be strong in those capabilities and leverage that for their next role. You can always go get Google Analytics training. You can always get a, right. a certificate in marketing that validates that you understand enough. But what you can't do is under, um, just all of a sudden become a, a expert or uh, an SME on, on your product, on your right. customer, on your competitors. So talking that, to people even, being comfortable on a phone and managing a, a meeting where you need to get an objective done by the end of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you, we've, you and I have seen enough marketers. You think about the ones that have really 
um, shined over the years has been people that have really strong communication skills. They're great working with others. It, it's not because they have a strong SEO skill. It's because mm -hmm. they're great teammates and, and, you know, great sales development reps have uh, that thread. And I think that's a, a great opportunity for them. Yeah. And, you know, and some of the, the best add-ons is when you've got sales experience for sure. And I think even, even the, the BDR, SDR, that, that dev role, you know, one, one time I was at a, um, an onsite helping this group figure out who they should nurture, what kind of segments, what kind of their, what kind of um, like, not personas, but more of like, who are the different buyers and, and who do we want to like separate out and part out and, and nurture this way, nurture that way, you know, who are your critical ones. And I started out the conversation uh, asking, it was kind of it's like grading, you know, not just scoring, but like what makes a good contact a good lead and who you're looking for because i'm trying to figure out what kind of criteria would be helpful to yeah sort this thing out and no one actually really knew and i could tell mm -hmm. this even sales was there and i could tell when i said okay what's critical to you and they're like endpoints number of computers you have right yeah okay cool like so what's a great number like five thousand fantastic okay what's uh what's a bad number is a hundred bad? They're like, no, I'd call a company with a hundred, like 20 is 20 bad. Like, I'd call a company with 20. Um, all right. I'm like, okay, yeah. you're going to call everybody. Great. What about one? <laughs> like, well, I might still call one just to see what's going on. I'm like, okay, haha, jokes on you. Zero. Right. Yeah, and they're like, right. They're like, well, actually, some VC firms don't have any. And then they, I'm like, ah, stop. Yeah, stop. yeah. there's always an exception, right? Yeah. So, so it was really challenging. Marketing and sales was really kind of lacking the data, the information. They hadn't had the conversations with the customer. But then right. we let somehow someone was smart enough to invite one of their longest and more successful um, uh, SDR reps was there in this sort of this whole yeah. room. There's all these other people. And seniority wise, way senior to him. <laughs> and, and they're like, Hey, what's, what's the scoop? And he said, well, I don't know much about all this stuff, but what I do know is when I leave a voicemail about one of these four topics mm -hmm. and it hits somebody, they call me back right away. And if, That's right. and if, if they're not interested then nothing happens, but if one of those four things is their sweet spot, they call me back like, auto die right yeah, yeah. And, and think about if that was pulled all the way through their ad headline now oh, you yeah. change some of the you know yeah. the, the 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 uh the tone and all the all the creative things that you want to do with it but it, it's still at the heart of that problem that, that the compelling event or you know the challenge that the customer is addressing so right it, i i think it's a lot of opportunity for that knowledge to be brought into marketing even further and and that that you know going back to career mapping you know, let's not limit SDRs to only having sales roles. And I think it's a great, uh, if anything, it's a great recruiting talking point. Right. Right. Like, here's the deal. You come, you come work at this company. You're going to, you're, you're going to be in sales development. We're going to make you the best darn yeah. sales development rep you've ever seen. However, since it reports the marketing, you're also going to get, uh, your career path is going to be, you know, we might have possibilities. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and who can argue with freedom? You'll have freedom to try to <laughs> pick and choose which way you want to go. And you'll be frigging hot. You'll, you'll be like the one that has talked to the most customers. You'll know more than product, more than marketing, more than everyone else. You've had the most conversation, more than the CEO. And then you right. could go wherever you'd like to go. Yeah. 
Still Fantastic. confidence. That's right. Yeah, still confidence. But where does this go? So is this like a slippery slope to marketing basically runs the company or, you know? Well, you know, it is part of the master plan, but, you know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Our master plan has been discovered. I haven't quite figured that out. I'm, a, I'm an ABC yourself out kind of marketer. So I, you know. <laughs> yeah. One plus one is. Mm, yeah. Not sure. It depends. That's right. Depends. Yeah. Like, well, customer experience too. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing. Do you see that tying in there and does yeah. marketing own that or do we share that? Yeah. That's that. Uh, I, um, I've had a, a, um, a greater appreciation for that topic over the last, uh, last couple of years. You know, most, most of us in uh, this early startup days were customer experience is like a, a promised land because that implies you have customers. Uh-huh. Uh, and so uh, it is, it tends to be a topic that you, as a marketer, you, you, uh, you, you always are like, yeah, we should spend more time on there, but Oh boy, we need top of the line funnel. Leads. Uh, we need leads. We need. Yeah. And so a lot of the, the gravity pull is towards the top of the, uh, the top of the funnel. Sure. Um, but, you know, there's as SaaS organizations continue to mature, um, you're you're seeing this topic of customer experience become a bigger and bigger one because now they've got we all have more customers to deal with, right? And and how to best set that up? I think historically, or maybe up to this point, customer experience has always thought about, oh, that's you know, customer success does, and mm-hmm. support will figure that out, and implementation will figure that out. I, I actually think, and this is something that uh, Sydney Sloan, the the CMO uh, at Salesloft, um, that was one of the things early on that she, when she started at Salesloft a year ago, uh, that was one of the things that she brought was this sort of perspective was like, well, marketing should be, you know, at the at the table of customer experience. Right. I'm like, yeah, well, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> it makes, makes a sense. lot of sense, right? Yeah. And so. Um, yeah, I think there's there's definitely going to be a continued conversation point around marketing should um, be at the helm of customer experience up to a degree, right? Uh, but there's a lot of touch points that success, implementation, customer success uh, support don't have. Right. So opportunities for inconsistency of branding and messaging. So um, there's a great opportunity for marketing to... Um, yeah, to, to to have a front row seat, if not the the lead on customer success or customer experience. Right. And when you're describing that, I was thinking, well, if not marketing, then who? And then you think about the different kind of, I mean, kind of stereotype, generalized personalities, you know, like the tech support is very much like the break fix or can be. Um, you probably don't want finance and, you know, being the ones <laughs> owning that or like billing yeah. uh, and sales. Are they going to be trying to, you need that customer success, but what kind of, where do they come from in the company? I, I, marketing, I don't know. It tends to have this like bigger picture, strategic process minded to, to your earlier point where yeah. we can really help out with that overall experience by looking at the big picture. I think the challenge then is though, are we measured on it? Because if not, to your point, if we're measured on leads, it's almost like this is a distraction you know, yeah. for sales, right? If sales is incented on churn like i've I've worked with some people some companies where their sales don't care about churn it's like yeah bring it in throw it over and go get the next one and then this there could be a really shaky process churn that's can right happen. 
That's right. Absolutely. I, I call yeah. parallel playing. You know, when you have young kids, uh, young kids will not necessarily play together, but they'll play in the same sandbox and they sort of, they call it parallel playing. Right? We're, 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 we're sort of doing the same thing. We have the same goal, but we're, we're not necessarily uh, going to share the same toy. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I think about that as, as the customer, you know, up to this point, customer experience is something like a parallel play. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure the brand is, is great and we'll look for opportunities to optimize the messaging and consistency of how we talk about ourselves and the tone and voice of how we want each person and in each um, interaction to be. Right. Um, but it, it, I, at this point, you think about companies that do this really well. I think about Zendesk. I think about Mailchimp, sure. and not to mention all these companies that are sort of doing the right to the the free trial to the adoption play. They really have customer experience nailed down because that's that's essentially their, that's their product. Yeah. yeah, product adoption is their ROI. So they they've got to ensure that that is you know just rock solid or their business will fail. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of companies doing it well today, but I think there's an opportunity for marketers uh, to to have a bigger bigger play in that. Right, right. Hi, huh, you know it's it's interesting because uh, you know. So, you know, we're a Pardot partner. We do a lot of work with, with people that have Pardot. So we're completely focused on adoption, all those things. So it's almost like merging marketing with, I guess we're like end users or end user experience to really make that experience solid. Because sometimes you can get in, a, in an isolation booth with products or even marketing. It, uh -huh. It's like you need to be out there in the field. So it's almost like I'd want SDR or like an end user to be – helping spearhead that customer experience too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it is def definitely uh, a lot of marketing teams will add the customer marketing role. Yeah. And I, I love the idea of the role. Um, I've, I've had it a couple of times. Um, and I've, the one challenge I've always had with this role is, are you taking from customers or giving to customers? Because uh, yeah, customer yeah. marketing, you, you can get caught up in, the, the pull from the top of the funnel is, hey, we need more case studies. Uh-huh, yeah. We need more referrals. Who's managing all the references? Now, that's the take, right? We're asking customers for all that stuff. But who's giving to the customer? Who's going back to the customer with, with adoption stories and, and, and the, the ways that customers are maximizing the adoption of, of a particular offering? Right. And, and so it's, it's, it's figuring out that story and, and how you balance those two things, the sort of giving and giving and taking, um, that's, that's always one challenge I've, I've had with it. And, and certainly um, you think about, uh, I will say a parallel role would be, you think about product managers yeah. in development environments. They, they tend to have this sort of cross-functional alignment with development. Yep. I think it's the same sort of play. You can have customer marketing managers that are responsible for the experience, uh, but not necessarily have to report to uh, the, these functions. They can right. have that sort of you know, uh, bigger, more strategic view of what the business wants and help these individual groups execute. And I think that's I think I, I believe it's something like that. It's 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 modeling it around a product manager uh, to to help facilitate uh, that experience. Yeah, you know what? And I, I'm I'm kind of uh, salty and skeptical on the idea of product marketing. I much prefer the term customer marketing. Um, yeah. Because 
Talk about well, why 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 are you salty about product marketing? Talk and when it's that. all about the product, <laughs> oh, okay. You, you I like don't that. know that you should do this before that, or you think this feature is like the best thing ever, and you just want people to know about this feature. It's just it's yeah. just so disjointed from that customer experience. Where, to your point, there's so much more value giving back to them of this is a case study, but instead of just using it for marketing, let's, let's use it to help everyone else learn what they could be doing. There's so many better, more valuable ways we can help customers out than, yeah. you, you know, it's like that old email of the new marketer saying, come check out my new website. It's like, <laughs> why? <laughs> you're going to love the visuals. You're going to, Oh, we got our new color palette pleases the eye like candy. You know? Like <laughs> check out this site, check it out and do what? Like I'm going to come to your website click around give you thumbs up yeah should i Check read it on yelp uh, yeah exactly uh, should i meditate <laughs> on it? is there a calm app for it so i can yeah hum on it it's crazy <laughs> yeah there's there's definitely that going on I, i'm but you also on the on the flip side you've got these sites like g2 crowd you know the yeah there, there's definitely a um a lot of pulls on the customer organization to help the business outside of just the helping the customer, helping the next customer, helping. It's true. The, it's a balance, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. The helping the customer next to them that's sort of challenged with the same, same business challenge of adopting the product. So it's, yeah, it's figuring out how to best tap that. And, and yeah, maybe I'm just uh, you know, a bias, but I do think marketing is more equipped uh, to, to help solve those problems for the business better than, than any other function today. Well, no argument for me on that one. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> I think, mar- I I think, think marketers are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Come to the right place. <laughs> I think everyone listening does too. Cause that's they've, right. Otherwise they've been listening for quite a while in a marketing show that uh, <laughs> if you don't like me already, then I don't that's know. Right. Next, next half hour is not going to help you much. It yeah. might, it might yeah. hold out. There's hope. There is hope. So what's got you excited? You what what kind are, are there any trends you're thinking about, you know, or, or that that are not just buzz buzzworthy but actually something to be thinking about or any movements you yeah. see in the marketing space? Well, I'm I'm easily excitable. So, you know, I, I definitely yeah, right? um I'm always um intrigued by technology. Um cool. you know, I I I was at a big old company called UPS for oh, uh, wow. eight, eight eight years uh, in my you early career. I, I did. I got to deliver one one year. In fact, it was uh, during the e-commerce bu- bust in uh, 2000, and they shot our, our. What did they do? They closed our operation down after six months of being there. What? Yeah, they were like, um, this whole e-commerce, e-logistics, Amazon is no longer a threat. Let's we're no longer going to worry about this business model. And they they shut this uh, the business unit that I was hired for. And so they're like, well, we don't know what we're going to do with you yet, but why don't you go ahead and uh, go get corporate experience and deliver <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of winter and uh, at Christmas time. And man, I had a, I have a appreciation for that work that they, uh, the team yeah. does. That's some it is work. hard work. Um, so they're but, paying you like a corporate salary to deliver or they're like, yeah, wow. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It's better than laying you off at Christmas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, dude, I was I was driving around in a because um, there's so much packages to be delivered. I had a yeah. meeting, and I they would drop me off in the morning of this this uh, country club community, and I got to deliver packages. Uh, so it was it was fun. It was fun. I bet they were thinking, well, we could lay these people off, but uh, if we make them all deliverers, then they'll probably all quit by January 5th. You know. 
probably the, well, guess what? I didn't, uh, I would, if anything, I, <laughs> I was, uh, eight years later, I left. I finally yeah, got the message. Yeah. It's, Jokes uh, on you. I've been paid, uh, Lots of money to deliver these packages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was right well, after they went public, so I missed I missed out on on the IPO. But I, um, as part of that, I, I joined the startup community, and okay. so I've always been intrigued by innovation and technology. Yeah. So um, that was part of my appeal to be uh, to going from sort of product marketing, product management, and then getting into the to the broader marketing was was how technology was being used. In fact, it was part odd. Who were who started yeah. here in Atlanta? Yeah. When I saw this this part of thing, I was like, "Wait a minute, that's marketing. That is awesome technology. Yeah. There, the skill set now immediately changes of of the type of skills you need in marketing. I love that. I want to be in that. And so, I certainly um, trend wise, I always keep an eye on on new technology. Um, you know, things like the intent data is, is certainly a conversational point that it's been going on for a while, but I think it's really um, you know, starting to operationalize in terms of what you actually can do with it and, and turn it into something. Yeah. Um, so that that's certainly one area. I mean, intent uh, is something, it, it's like every marketer needs to understand that word, know it. It's that underlying word between when things work and when things don't work, it's largely intent that's involved. Yeah, you know, Google searches all 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 about intent. Random yeah. ads on a website are not about intent, and <laughs> understanding why they one performs way better than the other. Yeah, all the things that come from that. So yeah, I I, I could see that developing a lot um, mm-hmm. in the days to come. Yeah, definitely. Um, so so intent data is something that I'm I'm getting behind, and obviously, uh, you know, chat has been an ongoing thing for you know five plus years. Um, that continues to get a lot of conversation of of how to I th- how to incorporate the technology. It's not so much the the technology itself. I think the 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 trick is to figure out how to operationalize, mm-hmm. how to actually take this this independent technology and incorporate it in your marketing stack so that it can work alongside of all the other things you're doing. Right. And and so that that you know that that constant sort of figuring out how to do that is, is, is something that I, I really enjoy. And I, I, I always look for others that are doing it really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see it, like that macro trend of conversational marketing, but I, I think it was a buzzword created around chat, but I think it, it's the bigger picture of even podcasts or conversational marketing. There's a lot of things going on. That's all about the conversation with the customer. Like we were talking about, like, the, the SDR role, actually having a conversation, understanding mm-hmm. their persona better because you had a conversation. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. Chat is one of those things. I don't know if you've bumped into qualified. I'm kind of like, I'm excited about these guys. I've only talked to them about. Tell me more. Times. What's that? Tell me more. I, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, they, one of the things is like, there's a lot of bots out there now, right? Like bots right. and, and no one actually wants to really buy anything from a bot, but they're kind of cool. I guess we kind of nerd out on them. Yeah. Uh, but the qualified guys are, were, have their own sort of chat setup. But what they're saying is, look, um, robots can't sell and humans can't scale. So mm-hmm. somewhere in between those two is what we need to, where we need to be, like the intersection of those two. So scaling, but then when someone needs to be selling or listening or talking, human, right? right? And so right. – their, their whole thing is instead of um, 
just opening up chat to sales and being like, here's more to do's. And, uh, and they, what intends to happen with a lot of chat these days now is even, even with the buzz churn is a problem because you open it up. Sales is like, there's a lot of noise. If I think keeps seeing me and people right. aren't even chatting or they are, but they're like not even the right people. They're the yeah. fake Gucci buyers. <laughs> I don't exactly. want to chat Gucci, with them, right? right. Yeah. I don't want to chat with them. Yeah. So they, they, they turn it off. They stop using it. But with this qualified thing, I'm excited about it because they're like, actually, the whole goal is to get that qualified conversation qualified. And, yeah. uh, and so the whole, um, it, and they tie into Pardot API and Salesforce API. So if you're cookie, they can actually read that and they know, okay, this is that VP of marketing I've been trying to track down. And so it's like, hey, sales guy, that person you've been wanting to talk to, they're like here now, like, and they connect the right, two. finally come back. Yeah. 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 As opposed. And then if they don't know who you are, the bots there would be like, Hey, what's up? Who are kind of like, <laughs> like, who are you? Where do you fit little decision path kind of thing to figure out so that the moment we know that you're qualified, it's like human, you know, yeah, yeah, and I like, like that. that intersection way better than just let's figure out a better decision tree. And then the bot doesn't know what's going on. So you, no one wants to talk to that. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, it's, it's figuring out how to turn down the, the noise and, uh, and ramp up the, the good stuff. And that's, uh, it's, that's the, the beauty of it, right? That's where the art of it comes in. Uh, the, the conversation is really, uh, chat is a, it's a great, good channel. Um, you know, it all depends on your industry and, and how your, your buyers ultimately you want to match your, your, your channels up to the preferred channels that your buyer wants to communicate. Not everybody's a chatty Kathy for sure. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I will, I will say there is this untapped knowledge base that is, is now becoming more available for marketers and that's the actual conversation, the phone conversation, yeah. right? So, um, chorus gong sales office, got something, um, around meeting intelligence. And there's, there is really something cool that, that gong has been in chorus have been all building on it's, but they're currently the, the use case, uh, how people are using is, is on the sales side, but, Ooh, baby. If the marketer can get a hold of that data yeah. and, and be able to see across conversations that that people are having and be able to pull out again, going back to that messaging. But what about this? What about it? The conversation that the SDR has with somebody identifies the trigger uh, pain point. And then the next time that buyer comes back to the website, having the website certainly personalized back to that problem. So, and, and the, the conversation is, is what is revealing that, um, which wouldn't get picked up in an email reply or a chat transcript. This is actual phone transcripts and yeah. yeah, humans talking to other humans and then not. And unfortunately, a lot of times a salesperson may not realize the power of what that buyer is saying. Right. Commonality across other, other, other buyers so you're live you maybe not trained to listen for it and you just you're just talking you're just feeling right. voting but it's happening behind the scenes yeah yeah absolutely so i i think that's that is another sort of cool area that uh, has got a lot of potential for marketing to uh to learn from and, and to leverage into their into their workflow to me i would just love to you know have a printout 
of recycled trees <laughs> a printout of uh maybe it's on your on your ipad people yeah, that's right that's right yeah. I, don't, I don't get okay, burned no. for burning trees they're already cut down they're already cut down so uh recycled post-consumer paper a printout of like all the conversations and just be reading that by the pool or something okay yeah, yeah absolutely no, so i love cool to read that what what about this what if it was able to aggregate those conversations say 72 percent of your buyers said sure. this I'll give you a real story, a real example. Uh, Rainmaker, one of the sales offs, you know, yeah, yeah. that they have every year. Um, we uh, salespeople are our best channel. Do they talk about it? Right. We want them to be talking yeah. about it with customers, with buyers. That this is the best event to be at. And um, of course, Topo has Topo Summit, but you know, let's not get into where event <laughs> now they should be at. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they should be at all of them. Um, but what? We, uh, we trained the marketing enabled sales to go off and talk about Rainmaker. Okay. Well, through this technology, we were able to find, we were able to see that only 2% of the conversations mentioned the word Rainmaker. Mm. So we knew we had a training problem that we need to retrain them that, hey, you do, you're not talking about it enough. So think about the power behind that. Think of all the money we invest in enabling sales, what do you how do you validate that they're actually using that? Yeah, are they actually talking about it even? Yeah. yeah. So that's a, a great use case that uh, I've seen help uh, you know, the marketing team. Oh, for sure. Uh, based on what the technology the sales team's using. For sure. It's that feedback loop to be able to say, okay. And then, you know, the training problem, maybe they don't know about it. They need reminders or we just need to get them stoked and excited themselves to talk That's about right. it. You need to pay them for it. <laughs> like bring a donkey into the office and they're like, we had a donkey in our office and it talks to like whatever, like get them talking, you know, it's like, we got to hack that, yeah. but have that feedback. That's true. The aggregation so that you're not just you know, part of me just wants to zone out and flip through conversations, but at the same time, you're right. To get things done, it'd be great to sort of aggregate all that and see, use a little data science in there to see what's That's right. Absolutely. So this is cool, man. Like, who are yeah. you? I don't know. I'm still who figuring that out. Who are you, man? <laughs> like, take me back. I'm the greatest showman. Very well. Well, we can both, we can both be there. The showmen. Oh, new show. <laughs> new show. Uh, greatest showman. Man. Yeah. Uh, that sounds yeah. like it might be one of those, uh, those uh, not rated for work kind of shows, though. You know, the greatest yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. We 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 may not. Uh, Starring Casey Jeshar and Kevin O'Malley. That's right. We have to have it at a bar, though, if we do it. True. Yeah. True. True. Um, so yeah, I mean, take me back though. Like, little Kevin, did you always know you were going to get into marketing? Did you, like? Yeah. Uh, did what, I always? What stands uh, out? How did? If how, it stands out. Okay, so I always appreciated a good brand. Um, and it, it started when I was in uh, eighth grade when, when my buddies and I had a lot of spare time on our hands and we, we thought it was really cool. The, the hood ornaments that, uh, cars used to have the Cadillacs, the Mercedes, Oh yeah. yeah. A good brand. Right. And so, um, we, we, uh, not, uh, we didn't realize there was anything wrong with this. We would take them from the car hood. (laughs) And uh, if you ever try to pull a, a hood ornament off of a car, it's not easy. Right. Um, and, and so we collected a lot of these hood ornaments and we got, <laughs> uh, we got caught red-handed. Now we would wear them around our necks like, uh, you know, like Mr. T and we'd have all. Where was this? You like Jersey or something? Uh, close. Uh, Scrin Falls, Ohio. It's, uh, oh, it's, no. <laughs> uh, we, it was a bubble. Uh, but we, we thought it was really cool. And right. We got coal hand busted and the, the police, they arrested us and they 
bring us in the police station and they're like, wow. all right, empty out your, your, uh, you know, your pockets. But we start taking off these like necklaces, you necklaces. Know, after another, this table is just getting higher and higher of, of, uh, of great brands. And, right, uh, right. um, and, and so I think that was pretty much when I realized marketing is pretty powerful, you know, like, uh, um, but I knew there was probably a better route for me to, uh, to follow my passion in, <laughs> into marketing. And, um, that was probably my first, uh, my first lesson of like a wake uh, up call, right? Wake up call. Yeah. There was more to life than this. Um, <laughs> You're better than this man. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I, I it actually, uh, I've always had a passion for marketing. My, my father was an entrepreneur, oh, cool. his own apparel line. And, and so he sort of from the upbringing of just talking about the power of, of um, brand and, and value, um, you know, versus price and, and the and he, my dad was a, uh, a preacher of sorts of business. And, uh, he'd always say, you know, pricing is, is the, is the value you put on it. You don't, you don't let the buyer put you, it's up to you as the seller to put the value behind it. You've got a, it's value-based pricing. And, and so I've always from the early days sort of appreciated the, uh, the skill and the art where would you pick up those tidbits? Dad just talks about work at home, or well, uh, no, you, you got to catch him at the right time. You yeah, know? I was gonna say he would decide when he was going to give you a lesson. And, okay, and so he was uh, an entrepreneur that sort of went in out of success, and, mm -hmm. and later in uh, life, he had a he um, had a home run with uh, licensing Mickey Mouse apparel, and wow. so uh, talk about a power brand. And so I got to learn a lot about you know through through him, sort of. How to how to merchandise uh, right. product and um, but behind merchandising apparel's got a lot of um, a lot of data behind it merchandising the figuring out how much to sell a product at where is it going to start dropping on on demand if you price at a certain point but um, so I you know I, I was able to have a front row seat to that mm -hmm. I was always um, I see my dad so I was always uh, somebody I always looked up to and. And, uh, and so from there, you sort of like, if you see your dad doing this, you're like, Oh, I'm going to go do a lemonade stand. Right. Um, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go market my lemonade stand. So I was that kid. Um, always enjoyed the art of producing something, creating something and, and, and seeing the value of someone. Right. Wanting it. Um, and so that certainly, um, you know, started early on. So then from there, it's like, boom, off to school. And they're like, what do you want to do for major? Nobody knows, but you're like marketing. I was, it was, it was, um, I, I did take a year off after a stellar high school performance <laughs> may or may not been linked to that hood ornament thing. Um, but I, I went to Northeastern university, um, oh, okay. and, and they have a great co-op program. So I love working. And so they allowed me to go work in school at the same time. Um, but I was marketing immediately. That's, I knew I wanted to do. And, uh, so that's where I got a major in it. Uh, I, I, uh, we built out the marketing club. Uh, Northeastern, it's nice. actually called, we, it's, uh, we came up with a new name. We thought club was too, uh, too young. So yeah. we, we came up with North, uh, what was it? Uh, Northeastern marketing association. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well. <laughs> yeah. So I, I always uh, had my hand in marketing and, um, and so it just continued that path all the way through my career. That's awesome. So you get out of school and is it, yeah. you go B to B, you go B to C. Uh, yeah. So, so I actually had a, um, a break in that path. So okay. I, I had the path of going down this AC Nielsen route. So it's taking data 
and analyzing data for big brands so yeah. they, they can go sell, you know, their, their consumer good, uh, more of that to, to the, the retailer. Or it was working for Frito-Lay and selling and having my own, my own route. Uh, this was more of an internship opportunity right. before I graduated. And it, it was like this, this, the path of my career difference. Of, yeah. Um, the one catch with the Frito-Lay opportunity, though, it was in Martha's Vineyard at, at, during the summer. Oh. And it was, oh, it was such a great, great setup. But I, cho I chose AC Nielsen because I was convinced this is right when this thing called the internet was starting to happen. Yep. I was convinced that marketing was going to become more data driven and that, and that I sure. wanted to go work for the company that takes the data of what's being sold and resells it. And yep. so I just, I just, it felt for me, it was a natural sort of, I, I was, I'm a natural curiosity sort of like, let's go. That sounds more Try interesting. Yeah. You know, Martha's Vineyard would have been sweet. Have you been? Um, I have, yeah. Yeah. Once. yeah. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. It's real nice. It's real nice. I don't know about selling corn chips there, but I guess <laughs> that's just an excuse to uh, on the island. Hey, 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 there's definitely, if you're going to do, uh, you're going to do that type of work, that's a great place to do it. That's cool. You went the data route, man. I mean, yeah. when you told me Martha's Vineyard is summertime, I was just thinking, well, that's a no brainer, but it's almost like that was more of like the human salesy side. Mm -hmm. sales rep side and then you went more of that bigger picture data minded side it's interesting yeah yeah uh both my most of my family's in sales but for marketing i i just tended i wanted to be on the side of helping salespeople. um i enjoy helping others and and i always say i'm a better opener than i am a closer so that's <laughs> uh uh so that was a sort of natural fit of my personality into into marketing we always tended to hang out with closers too. It was kind of fun how it was. <laughs> That's I had a buddy right. named Mo. He's a closer. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a couple of friends like that too, and I would be the goofball, and they would be the closer. Yeah. Hey, there you go. That's exactly it, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sick. You yeah. Know, so, so from there, you know, you you move on. You're growing up, and then you you get to what? Eventually, you're the VP. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much yeah. It's just uh, a flash forward of uh, uh, moving to Atlanta uh, right after the Olympics of uh, Atlanta. Atlanta, that's right. And so much that was happening in Atlanta at the time, and then the e-commerce boom, where big companies are trying to figure out what to do in e-commerce. So it was a great right. opportunity to go to UPS for eight years. Learned a lot there, but that startup bug just kept kept coming back to me. And so that's where I uh, joined startups and and rode through three of them and and. Uh, had a lot of great opportunity to do a bunch of different stuff, but right. landing on marketing as being what I wanted yeah. to spend my career in. That's so it cool. takes some time, but you know, it, 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 uh, um, it's awesome. I mean, they're just, this, this marketing discipline is just constantly evolving. There's For always sure. something that you need to learn. There's always something you're not going to know. Um, uh, there's different people you have to hire right. and have on your team. So it's yeah. such a fascinating, uh, function that I just, I love being, I love being part of it. A hundred percent, man. I mean, that, that's the, that's been the appeal to me and how it, it ties and plugs into everything else. So yeah. yeah, the question I would then ask you is, you know, if you were to advise yourself at the beginning of your marketing career, you just got out of school and you were about to make that decision and also just take on marketing as a career, like what would you advise yourself? What would you tell yourself? Um, 
I would, I would say under est, there's things that I would say I did right. And there's things that I wish I, I, um, I, I need to continuously do more of. Yeah. Um, I, I would say the things I did right was invest in that, the, uh, the hard skills, right. Understanding data, analytical skills, understanding this, uh, the investment of, of going beyond the position. What I mean by that is, um, uh, think about what, what your boss's boss is dealing with. Thinking about how your role can can help that position, and so don't think of yourself as a sales development rep or a marketing campaign analyst. Think about yourself as the owner or the CEO, and mm-hmm. saying, "If if I own this place, what would I do?" Right. What is and and then ultimately it's it, it feeds down to your role, but you got to continuously think about the business acumen side, right? How does this business operate? Why am I doing this work? What is the company's strategy? And so always yeah. bring yourself up to a bigger um, perspective. And I, and I think that was, now for me, it was just always natural curiosity that led me to to want to learn about that. So if that's not, does not come naturally to you, I would say my advice to myself would be, Go make it natural. Go invest in it. Ask right. those type of learn about what questions you should be asking. Now there are other things that I didn't do enough in that I that I continuously um, are wanting to spend more time in. And that's like things like writing. Mm. The the basics, right? Is is um, you know being able to express yourself, uh, your ideas verbally, yeah. um, presentation skills, um, you know writing skills, being able to, I mean, look at all the ways that you produce your content. You got a podcast, you've got video, you've got, you've got written material. I mean, I I didn't spend enough time in my earlier career understanding and appreciating and building that skill that, uh, I mean, that goes back into high school, right? I wish I, I wish I actually invested more in the writing um, aspect of, of school versus the things that just enjoyed I enjoy doing Um, the car medallions and uh, (laughs) yeah, getting arrested and yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All those things. That makes sense, man. That makes sense. The curiosity, but also the, the writing skills, man, I'm, you should do your own podcast, honestly. Oh no. Have you thought about doing that? No, no. You know, I, I, uh, you just, you know, I actually, I did start a uh, YouTube channel with my son. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, I forget the name of it. We've only done three episodes, but it is, it's, uh, me and the kids doing some crazy stuff around the, around the house or doing, doing the stuff that dads do with their kids of just tearing it up, playing, uh, water gun fights and all that stuff. And they, they love YouTube. So I figure I'll be part of it by, by giving my YouTube channel. Oh, that's cool, man. And then you guys can do that together. Yeah. What, you got two boys, right? That's right. That's okay. right. Yeah, two uh, twin boys, uh, which uh, keeps me very busy. But um, yeah, it's it's fun. So and that's that's very- where my podcast is. Is <laughs> spend oh, time. Yeah, that's your po- that's your YouTube channel, man. That's your family right. channel right there. That's um, right. Yeah, those you know those are those kind of videos that uh, I mean you probably experience this now. I think they're what nine. Yeah, they're my minors uh, eight and six, right? So I've already. I've seen some of the older photos and videos of when they were little nuggets and I'm like, Oh man, they're so cute. But those little moments are priceless. So I could see a YouTube channel, just one way of capturing more of those memories together. Absolutely. Some fun at the same time. Yeah. Well, you know, I see them, they, 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 they will, uh, they don't even watch TV. They'll put on YouTube before they put on TV. Totally. They have full control over what they're watching. Totally. And they, 
with the things that they watch, you can't find on TV. It is, it is them watching a, uh, some channel uh, over these other kids or these, these, what do they call them? Awesome dudes. And they do just like silly things. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. It's just like, it's low production high, but it's high quality entertainment for them. For them. Yeah. Right. Cause they can relate to it. And, and so I, I think there's, um, definitely something, you know, I'm always intrigued by that stuff. Like yeah. what's going to shape tomorrow's right. Right. Well, let me tell you that these, this new generation, what do they call the net generation? Mm. The kids that have been born after nine uh, 11 yeah. uh, have already gone through a recession um, have gone through and been part of some, some, uh, some of the hardest times for in our, in, in certainly you and I are, uh, era. Um, right. They're sort of a little hardened, um, but, yeah. but they're full digital too. So yeah. they're like TV. What, what if, uh, what's his menu I've got to choose from, you know, like advertisement, what, advertisement. Oh, how many times does your kids go, dad, can we fast forward this? <laughs> yeah, seriously, I pay for the YouTube premium just so I don't have, I've never had to, for yeah. like probably two years now, I've never had to worry about a YouTube ad. Uh, yeah. But I will say, you know, to that thing, I, I found it to be the case too. YouTube, that full control and the recommendations are usually pretty good, even better than Netflix where yeah. nowadays, I mean, one of the trends too is like Twitch and, watching mm-hmm. other people do something. So watching other people play a video game. Absolutely. And sometimes it can actually be really interesting if you have a commentator who's like, oh, look, he's figured out this strategy. And, and he, do your kids, so your kids play video games. So, my, um, yeah, sure. so I play Fortnite with my kid. That's one of oh, the cool. Yeah. 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 He will play Fortnite and have his laptop here watching somebody else like doing exactly what you're saying is like giving tips while, while watching another person play Fortnite. Like it, yeah. it is totally immersive. They're like, okay, I've got my big screen here. And then in between the games, I'll watch a little clip on, on, on Ninja recommending, you know, how, how to, how to make the next, next move. But it's Fortnite is, um, I know it's a lot of parents are like, Oh, kids too much Fortnite. I promise you, there's a lot of negatives to it, but the, there is, is changing how it's, it's forming on how these kids think about what they want in the world. Right. Right. They want to decide their future. They want to be the one at the, the hands on the control to yep. decide what they want. Right. Their channel, what their video, they want to watch it. Yeah, that's right. And this technology today allows them to be totally immersive. Like Fortnite is like constantly evolving around you with a hundred other people at the same time. I mean, the, what's the World Cup that's happening this weekend? $30 million um, mm. purse, you know, um, $30 million in uh, giveaway or whatever they're calling it wow. for the champion of Fortnite. Like, it's really? Real. $30 yeah, million? $30 million. What? These, these, like, Ninja makes it like a million dollars a month. $30 million? Just give them a million. <laughs> they'll, they'll do it for free. Wow, 30, what is that 30? That's more than... The soccer team got or something. I don't know. They spend ten, twenty dollars a month on 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 uh, cl- virtual clothing for their Fortnite characters. Uh, so, so I haven't so, played yet, uh, but you really get you're intriguing me. I mean, my my iPad wouldn't play it, so I gotta figure out a way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Get good at it before I get them on it, so that you know I can always show them 
you know, dad's boss here. That well, yeah, well, I, I, that's what I thought too. Until until I'm like, took over, this right? thing's moving too fast. I'm used to Pac-Man, you know. <laughs> this thing's like people are coming at you from different directions. They're hitting you from behind. I mean, it's where's Mario jumping up on a yeah, 2D screen? Seriously, I mean, it it is like uh, it, it is very fast moving to them. It's almost slow moving, and yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it it is. Uh, it's it just fascinates me because I think as a as a marketer, it's going to continue to shape or influence all those those mega things that are happening or people are going to find a way to sort of see through that and say why is it so intriguing why is it becoming the dominant game over all the games out there what is it about this game that makes it right and 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 so i think there's if if you can crack that code uh there's a lot to learn from that and and to, to incorporate back into your marketing I don't know. That's, that's just my way of thinking about it. So I can play more video games maybe, but yeah. And expense the Fortnite clothing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's Topo branded clothing on that Fortnite character. Well, you know, Craig Rosenberg is a, um, our, our chief analyst. He is apparently, he's afraid to play me, but apparently he does play Fortnite. Um, and, and we're, we're, um, one of these days going to be uh, playing against each other. Yeah. Just, you can make Coming your own clan Craig. or something, right? Like <laughs> get your own team put together. That's right. Over 40s club. Yeah. Over, over 40 marketer Fortnite. Let's slow down here. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can we, re- can we increase the lag on our communication here just to help us all out here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is cool. Well, hey, yeah. where can people find you? Connect with you? Um, LinkedIn, yeah. Uh, LinkedIn's good. probably the, the best. Um, okay. You know, I, I recently joined uh, Topo just a short while ago and a quick 90 days ago. And, and nice. uh, so certainly um, any, anywhere that uh, Topo is, I'll, I'll be there. And um, you know, we've uh, always have uh, monthly webinars and, and uh, cool. uh, we have our annual uh, summit next April. So uh, in San Francisco, so we're excited about that. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of great ways to, to interact. Love to always connect with new uh, awesome. people. We'll put that all in the show notes too. So people can click onto that, click nice. on through to your Twitter and whatnot. That's cool, man. Well, yeah. I don't know if you looked at the clock, but like time has, has morphed. Yeah. What the heck is that? Yeah. Crazy. Hey, I know. Now I got to get back to work. Yeah. Right. We should <laughs> talk a little bit longer. Just <laughs> yeah, a couple right. more minutes. Just keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate, appreciate yeah. you having me and uh, I love, uh, Obviously, I love this topic, and and uh, you know, just love new, meet new people, and, the, totally. and people are wanting to learn together, grow together, and uh, it's certainly uh, it uh, appreciate you you doing this podcast to to share the the knowledge of others and uh, build the community even stronger. So, yeah, man. Well, no, thank you back at you because I literally learned from you, and I've got two pages of notes over here. Wow. So uh, whatever <laughs> we were saying was some good stuff, and I hope so yeah. <laughs> Awesome. All right. well, thanks again. And, yeah. you, and everyone out there listening, if you learned something, and I know you did because I got all the notes over here too, uh, share this with someone so you become the thought leader. You get this information out to your circles and uh, you know, show some leadership that way uh, and learn this stuff. Wow. Crazy. So share and share alike. Sharing is caring. <laughs> and for everyone else out there, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time. Yeah.